I'm going to ask Alicia to come up, and if your wee girl needs you, she can come up too. It's all right. It's all right. Give it a try. Hi. That's uh, a sinister minister. We'll see how long this lasts, right? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Alicia is one of the best people I know, and I've known her for quite a few years now. Um, and she is part of GraceWorks. I'm going to let her tell you more about what GraceWorks is and her position within it. And I know that you have... Oh, yeah, yeah, there's a... We... Women? <laughs> women, women. Now, the expressions, we're not going to ask which one that came from. Um, but we do, we do normally allow the voices of children here, but that's, um, I'm going to let mamas choose, all right? She may take too much liberty. She may that. take too much liberty. Um, one of, the, one of our, our biggest hearts and biggest charities is GraceWorks. And we had one generation here about a month ago, and we've been trying to get this set up for some time too. But um, we have known Alicia about the time we came to Tennessee, I guess, or just shortly thereafter. Uh, so tell us, give us your elevator speech about what GraceWorks is and what you do. And you can so, help fill in. She's heard this many times. So, um, so GraceWorks Ministries is our local community resource center. For over 26 years, we've provided food, shelter, and support services to neighbors in need. Uh, we finished last year serving over 11,000 neighbors, and each of those neighbors received about six resources from us. So we do truly try to walk alongside our neighbors um, and help them get to a more stable season of life. And what's beautiful about it is we are an independent 501c3, um, but we are Christ-centered. And we don't apologize about that. So we invite people um, who believe, who worship in every type of denomination to join us in that service. But we also invite people who may not believe uh, to join us in service as well. So it's a really powerful model and one that um, is a dream come true for me to be a part of. So. Well, you've, um, and, and there's some things, and you can rearrange this to make it comfortable. I think, is the camera all right, Dave? We're good. Um, and by the way, you're not here with us every week, but kids wandering on and off. This is not a church. It's not a holy site. The people are the church, and the people out there get this as well. We're worshiping in our living room too, you know, and therefore living room things happen, and that's, that's dead brilliant. Um, well, thank you. One, one of the first things I heard about you was from your parents, who are delightful people. And they told me that you were working for a nonprofit, I believe at that time down around Tullahoma. Yes. Um, have you always been interested in charitable work or nonprofit work? Or if not, what, what leans you that way? Um, so I enjoy this question a lot because no, <laughs> I have not been always interested in nonprofit work. Um, I would say I've always been interested in helping people. And I didn't know the many varieties of career paths. Oh, we're going to take a break. <laughs> She'll be okay. Okay, um, sorry. <laughs> anyway, I didn't know the many types of career paths that were available to me um, to make a passion of mine an actual job and something I got to call my job. So um, at the beginning, um, knowing that I wanted to help people, and I'll kind of get back into that, of how, where that time. started. Um, but career path-wise and how I ended up where I am, I mean, no one says, I want to go ask people for money. 
and that's what I do. <laughs> um, I don't feel that that's really my job, but at the end of the day, that is what I do. Um, and it started with more traditional outlets. So I knew that teachers helped people. So when I first went to school, I said, I'm going to be a teacher. And I still, I mean, teachers are incredible. They are heroes and they absolutely help people and they're very important in our kids' lives. Um, but I vividly remember the night uh, that I was at Lipscomb in Elam. Many of you, I'm sure, are aware of the halls of Elam, um, where God said, you are not going to be a teacher. I would be a horrible teacher. I know that now. <laughs> um, so I said, okay, well, I'll be a counselor. These are the things that I thought, this is how you help people. They were very kind of traditional outlets. So I went and got a psychology degree. Um, and it definitely helped me understand that I would be a horrible counselor as well. Okay, been there. <laughs> and so been I just there. kept learning, like, man, this is just not the way that I'm wired. I'm right. not wired this way. And I couldn't find, my passion was still there, but I couldn't find my outlet. Um, and so I just kept asking God, give me, show me more. I know that you're calling me to something. Show me where I'm supposed to be. So I just kept asking for internships to get close to people who were in need. And through that process, I discovered what's called development. That's what I'm in, nonprofit development. And um, I said, okay, I'll do that. And when I graduated, I didn't want to go to grad school. I didn't like school, as we had said. Um, didn't like school very much. And I was very stubborn. And I said, well, I'll apply to one grad school. And if I get in, then I'll go. And I picked a hard one, <laughs> thinking, oh, I won't get in. And then I got in. Um, so, so I went to Indiana for two years and was freezing. I don't, I mean, Indiana's a great community. If um, anyone watching is from Indiana, I love my time many there. Many are, yes. Um, but I was so cold. <laughs> and it was still some of the best two years of my life, though. I really got to go and sit at the feet of people who understood nonprofits at a larger scale, not a hobby, not a passion project, but people who came together and said, there is a problem out there and we're gonna try and fix it. And it's a really big problem. And we're gonna focus on that and fix it. And so anyway, that's where I ended up in nonprofit development and found my passion. Um, but that's kind of the boring side of things. The better side of the story, I think, is why I had this cultivation of um, a desire to help people, a relentless desire to help people. Um, and if I can go into that now, oh, yeah. we have time for that. Um, so, and this question, I actually talked to Robert Dale about it when I first read it, and I said, oh, this question, I always felt nervous about this growing up, because a lot of nonprofit founders or nonprofit employees have a really cool story, right? I mean, yep, they do. They, they do, yeah. They've got cool stories, they experienced something that motivated them to go out there and change the world, and that wasn't my story. I have a very traditional story. I grew up in Franklin in the early 90s and early 2000s when Franklin was the place to be. My dad, you know, they picked this community because they could commute to their Nashville job. And my dad took his role as provider very seriously. I had everything that I could have needed growing up. Beautiful home, beautiful yard, great community. Um, my mom took her role as raising her daughters very seriously as well. So I had everything I needed in comfort, psych psychologically, spiritually, I had everything I needed. Um, and the one thing I think that they were really good at was helping me see, not feel guilty, but see that not everyone's like that at a very young age. So I was exposed to different ways of life. Um, 
and people who may not have had those, those comforts that we had. And I started to feel this tension very young about, okay, so I have this beautiful, you know, I, I always know where my next meal is coming from. I know my parents love me. I know that I'll be taken care of. And I started to witness um, other people going through different struggles. So I felt this tension. And at a younger age, I think it was more about guilt um, to help somebody. Sure. I felt guilty. And I felt, um, you know, reading the Bible sometimes, you can think, oh, I must do this unless you have someone wise to kind of guide you through the intent of that. Um, so that first inspired me. But as I've gotten older, they let me see even more disparity in the world. So I got to see things internationally, go to Honduras and Nicaragua and witness things that I could just have never have imagined someone would live through. Um, and so that tension got louder and I could never ignore it. When I came home from those trips, I couldn't even like sleep in my own bed for a few nights thinking, oh my goodness, I cannot believe this. So um, that tension got louder and I prayed that I would never forget it. Like, do not let me get comfortable again. And that's what my parents helped me sort through, is this discomfort, not in guilt, but the tension of God has invited us to do something. If you're given this beautiful security, he invites you to engage with him and show people um, you can have, not, not that you need the stuff or you need to live in a certain area, but you can have hope and you can have peace and you can have Christ. Um, so I think there's a general I'm... awareness then that the world is out of balance. Right. And, and that, that our having stuff is not bad. It's mm -hmm. just that others don't have it. And the whole idea of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps doesn't really work. Right. Um, so you, you really do need a path. Now, later on, we're going to see a video from Clint, uh, I'm sorry, Flint Global, where they actually go into third world countries and help the people develop a path and a job and a marketable skill so that we don't have to keep giving them money. They actually lift themselves up. That's a lot harder to do in the States because when you take a look at insurance, regulations, OSHA, everything else, just trying to sell something on the corner is hard. Now, what I liked, I was thrilled about GraceWorks, first time I heard about it, um, was because it expanded my reach. And it also removed that, that thing, every minister has this, and every church secretary has this, People walk in, I'm out of town, I'm out of, I need electricity, you know, money for the utilities, or I don't have groceries, and we have no way of knowing how to help or who to help. And if we do help, it's we, it's just a bit, because that's all churches have. But if churches put it in one trusted place with people we trust, and we do trust you and the people on the board there, um, they develop a system. And so it's like this 5'9 guy can finally reach the top shelf, right? And that's uh, kind of like when we give to Flint Global, you know, I cannot go to third world countries much anymore because I'm an old guy on that medication. There are people who get angry every time I say old. I'll buy you a calendar. <laughs> but I can put money into our safe harbor that I know is going to go to one general way, Graceworks and Flint Global. Those are our, our biggies. And wherever you are, 
you've got biggies as well, but it's one of the, you know, and so that's supposed to be a compliment. That's supposed to be a thank you to GraceWorks because you, you allow us to do what we couldn't do. I, I love hearing you say that because I think that GraceWorks, you know, not only do you do amazing service, okay, that should be a given if you're going to donate to anyone. The way we're designed, I call us the sister to the church. Um, Ooh, I like that. Right? Yeah. And I have a sister that I'm very close to. So this analogy means a lot to me. Um, but I do feel like we're very uniquely designed. You know, we're an independent 501c3. So I can, I can go to different pockets. I can inspire different audiences to engage with us. Um, but at the same time, we can and are unapologetically Christ-centered. And so churches can trust us, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. so thank you for that, um, to carry on their work. And we can be that place where the hands and feet of Christ, we're set up. There's people nodding who join us in that every week. Um, and a lot of you do that here. Um, but you can truly come and plug in with whatever skill set that you can bring and make it a Christ-centered evangelical uh, approach <laughs> to, to your life. So. And, and, it, and it is brilliant. And our people here locally are dedicated. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to just use first names because we don't like to out everybody in front of the entire planet. But Doug and I are really good friends. He runs one of the shuttle rides back and forth here. And if it wasn't for Doug, I'd never get out of the office to play golf. And I really need to and I really enjoy it. But every so often I'll look at the weather and I'll say, oh, we need, the only day is this day. And he'll go, nope, that's my day at Graceworks. And he has never budged on this at all. And there was one time even I went to him at Graceworks on that day to ask him a question. And he said, I'm too busy today. And so I don't know if you remember that or not, but I walked in my car and I was going, I think I was rebuffed in a Jesus way. Uh, but we, we have people who, um, who are volunteers all the time. And um, I want you to correct me if I'm wrong. Is your focus mainly Williamson County? Um, so for... For shelter services, which for us are rent and utility assistances, yes, it is a Williamson County only program. And when we were founded, everything we did was Williamson County only. Food, however, we changed that in July of 2019. Um, and we expanded anybody who comes to us for food will get a yes. It doesn't matter where you live. So, okay. And candidly, we are praying um, to discern how we can expand everything that we do in a smart way yeah. to other communities. That's, you know, nobody can do everything, but what you can do, you can do it very well. And, and GraceWorks, um, our church knows this, that we put money into bread, not bricks. We put money into people, not parking lots. And that's a quick thing to say. There are always exceptions. Things are going to happen. They're going to be like in Waverly, the floods, and we're helping feed the people that are having to build houses. So there you are. Um, but whenever we help people, one of the things we always tell you out there is that if you're being led and fed, or if you're involved in a local ministry, which is lean, efficient, and effective, we're not asking you to send that money to us. I mean, I'm thinking of Poplar Bluff, Missouri, and the bread shed. They are using every penny wisely. They're working hard. And we have many of our people, our, our members there. So that's where we want to bridge the gap here is how can somebody in Indiana, we've got Bedford, Marshall, <laughs> Indianapolis, Jeffersonville, all the way up. Um, how can somebody in Turkey scale this down and do good, not out of guilt, but out of 
whatever. Recognizing know. the tension. There you go. <laughs> um, so I would say, I have, I have a couple thoughts on this. First, we got time. love your neighbor. Do what God tells you to do. <laughs> love him first. Keep him as your focus and love your neighbor. Um, and those are opportunities that will come to you every single day. So um, just keep that as, that's our mission statement, neighbor serving neighbor by the power of God's grace. Okay, and could you say that one more time for yes, us? Yes, sorry. No, no, good. I, I, I like to repeat this. Neighbor serving neighbor by the power of God's grace. Love that. That is our mission statement. Um, so just maybe say, that can be a mantra for y'all if it's not your mission statement, but something that you can hold on to and look for those opportunities um, because while GraceWorks is, is great at what we do, I think, um, we need a community to make it possible. We need your yeah. eyes on the ground looking for those opportunities and bring those neighbors into your fold, whether it's a, your, your house church, your group, um, or bring them into, if you can find a nonprofit similar um, or who does some work, introduce them to that nonprofit. And for those who are local, I'd, I'd ask you to do that. Introduce neighbors who need us to GraceWorks. Talk about us um, and let it be known. There are so many new community members moving into this area. The, an advocate of who we are is one of the loudest uh, needs that we have. But yeah. that's one thing. I would say another thing to do, um, a lot of people want to, our model is, is awesome. It's called a community resource center model, wraparound service model. And a lot of people want to bring that to their communities. And if that really is something you're interested in, ask others who've done it before you jump in. There's a lot of things that we, yeah. looking back 26 years ago, would have said, ooh, we would have started differently if we could have. I mean, they were amazing when they started. But um, so ask others. And I would also heavily encourage, don't, don't start another nonprofit. Um, go look for the ones that are in your community. We need, we need help. We don't need another organization to introduce into the fold. Unless, of course, you are, you have done your research and you identify no one's doing this. No one is serving this X population, then go for it. Go full steam. But, um, but before doing your research, go find a place in your own community that you can give your time and give your, your talents to. That, that's brilliant. Uh, we were in Detroit area for 10 years, and we were feeding the homeless down in Cass Park. And I went over to a veteran shelter because so many of our veterans are homeless or uh, housing challenged at least. And as I was talking to them and a policeman was there as well with the veteran, the guy that was running it. And he said, every day there are 47 places that are feeding the homeless. And I looked and I went, how do we know this? He goes, well, you see, that's the thing. Nobody talks to anybody else. And that, that also fragments the information. So some of the homeless don't know. You know, they have to hook in with the community of the homeless, and there are communities to try to find one. So I like that. Don't start one. Go join one uh, and check it out. Make sure it's, you know, it, again, lean, efficient, effective. Um, you are facing, and I didn't even put this in here, but uh, I hope that's all right. I know that GraceWorks is facing a challenge right now because... I'm assuming it's the same owner. They were in the same complex warehouses and offices and such as one generation away. And I don't know if you remember, but Chris and Elaine said, we got a notice. We had to clear out just almost immediately. We had no place to go because the owner wanted to rent our place to somebody else. And they can do that. It's their property. I think that's what's happened to you, isn't it? 
Yes. Um, so Chris and Elaine had about a month uh, warning. They were subletting. Um, and so we shared a wall with them. Like, we were neighbors. <laughs> um, but so they had a much shorter tenure. We have our lease goes until June of 2023. And the owner who purchased the building did honor that lease. He's not um, kicking us out early. And to be, I mean, there's no, um, we have no animosity towards him. He bought a building. He didn't know us from Adam. He came in and has done the best that he could do with the scenario that we have. But we are going to be homeless in June of 2023. And we currently um, don't have a location to move into. So we are praying um, for a permanent location. We're praying for a solution that does not put us here again, um, because it does seem that any temporary solution that we are finding, we're also looking for a temporary solution. Um, but it's, it is under threat as well of being sold. There's so much land and property grab right now um, because of our growth that uh, it's very difficult to find a secure home. So we're in that process Okay. Now. Well, this, let me just put it out there. Sometimes you need bricks to build a place to put the bread. So we're not anti-bricks, all right, at all. And so if there are anybody out there that's watching, or if you, if you send this service to somebody because you know that they've got deep pockets or they want a big tax break, nothing wrong with that, or because that they love the poor, I, we don't really care what the, you know, you know, the motivation, thank you very much. Um, Mark and Jody are here reminding me, we speak English in this country, uh, fair enough. Anyway, um, we don't care about motivation, uh, just let them know about GraceWorks. And you can find the link on our website, you can find it anywhere, everything we publish, there's a link directly to them. Um, and also, if you're in Williamson County, and you know a property or you'd like to donate property, I'd say, please get in touch with them. We're not looking for property, but there are people that are, and they have to have it. They have to have a place from which to work. We're not looking for property, uh, property because of the generation of one family, uh, the um, generosity of one family. Still, you would, did not help me there, Mark and Jody. Give me the words before I say that. The, the, gen, the generation, uh, the, the generosity of one family has allowed us to do this. Well, I don't have a problem asking, uh, we call it the green dots, because that's the camera back there. Anybody with property, anybody who's got ideas, let's, let's help this group out, because we cannot do this. We cannot do what you do. We, and, and 20, 30, 40 different small churches that are local, we're a big church internationally, but that are local, we cannot duplicate what they're doing. Um, and I'll, I'll just, I'll put it to you this way. The word snowflake has taken on a negative meaning and people fling it about. Snowflakes are incredibly fragile, but if you get enough of them together, they'll stop a bulldozer. So we're asking for our snowflakes to gather. And uh, if people don't want snowflakes, I use bunnies. I say, one bunny, you don't worry. You open a door, you see a bunny, you go, oh, it's a bunny. You open a door, there are five million bunnies. You scream bunnies and you run. <laughs> we need to gather to make an effect. Now... We like stories. Did you bring any? Oh, I have all kinds of stories. Well, I'm looking over there. We got, sure. we got, we got nine, ten minutes. We Tell a story. Time. Okay. Um, so I'll tell you a couple. First, the story of the founding of Graceworks. I okay. think that's really important because we've already touched on some things here. Um, so Graceworks is 26 years old. We opened our doors in 1995. Um, and I think, I mean, I get chills every time I talk about this story. I'm not going to lie. So the 
organization was founded after a really grassroots effort of local churches um, who had your same mentality, <laughs> not, not bricks, but bread. Right. Um, and so these were churches that, you know, in Franklin at the time, too, Franklin has a very rich history of old churches holding on to their bricks, holding on to their identity of their location and, and their history. And for the spirit to have moved and said, it isn't about saying, my church has a food pantry. My church does this. It is about loving our neighbor under the banner of Christ as well as we can. For a community to come to that understanding is a miracle. It, it's a miracle in, in that time frame, and that's what happened. So a lot of churches came together and said, okay, we have a small food pantry. We're only open about four hours a week. We have a rent utility fund. It can only serve like three people a month. And multiple churches, this was their story. They were trying to do good, but if they had come together, they could do Graceworks. <laughs> and that's what happened. So they said, let's stop doing these small efforts. Let's pool our resources together, keep Christ as center of it all, and see what happens. <laughs> and that's how we opened. And that spirit of unity, God has honored that in the way that we have grown as a ministry. Um, and he has inspired not only churches to partner with us, new churches, old churches, to say, um, this is how we're going to help serve, or a part of how we're going to help serve. He has also inspired, I think, an incredible testimony for generations that um, are jaded with the church, to be candid. So people who might have been hurt by the church, um, they often say it was because of a lack of unity. Why were you quarreling over these things if you agree on Christ? And, you know, if you come to Graceworks tomorrow morning, whew, sorry, I'm pregnant, so I get more emotional <laughs> these I, days. I, I, um, I don't even think I knew that. Congratulations. Oh, yeah. Yes. We're having oh, a baby. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Woo>. uh, <laughs> coming in July. For those of you who know me, you're like, oh, she's gained weight. Um, but <laughs> anyway, um, okay, if you come to Graceworks tomorrow morning, you are going to see people, you know, staff. We've got 45 staff. We have over 200 volunteers a week. And those volunteers today, right now, are worshiping in a Catholic church, a Church of Christ, a Baptist church, a Methodist church. They're worshiping in all different kinds of ways. And tomorrow morning, they're just going to put on a Graceworks name tag. And they're going to come and serve. And they're all going to talk about the same Christ. They're all going to talk about the same Amen. God that we know. Amen. And um, that's the stuff that really, you know, that was the, the fruit of unifying and of saying, let's stop worrying about small things, um, but unify together because there's friends that I've had that I've lost because of that. I haven't lost the friends, but we've lost them from the church. And if they get the experience to say, you know, maybe a, an office place, this happens a lot. So a secular office, they want to come volunteer. They're going to pick their local community resource center. They don't really know much about us, but they're going to come in and bring their team of 20 to help in a food pantry. Well, all of a sudden, these are people who don't realize they may have never walked in a church again, but they have walked in the presence of God because this is where we are gathered in his name to do his work. And they get to encounter something good um, in ways that they may not have otherwise. So I just thank our founders so much. You know, I, don't, I wasn't there when it was founded. I was alive, but people asked me about <laughs> I wasn't there. Um, and I don't know their, their full intent, but God honored their unity. And I guess for those who um, are 
are not local, that's, that's a story you can carry in your community. Look for ways to unify across denominational barriers. So there's one story, but I can tell you stories about our neighbors as well. Do we want to talk about a few of those? I, I, we, don't, we won't call it the gossip because we're in a church, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> a few of our neighbors. Um, so we, we actually call everybody neighbors. So I'm a neighbor. Anyone who volunteers with us, gives to us as a neighbor because it's about neighbor serving there you are. neighbor. Right? There you are. We're all about dignified experiences. Um, but one that stuck with me recently, this was a couple weeks ago, and I'm not going to share his name, and I might even do a couple details differently, but um, it, it was a, a young man. He was a father. Um, he found us during the pandemic, and so a lot of, a lot of people found us during the oh, pandemic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay? And they're still with us. <laughs> we're still helping them get back on their feet. But he found us during the pandemic when we were doing uh, food distributions in, the, in our front parking lot because we could not serve as many people in our actual physical food pantry. So folks were driving through, we were loading their trunks with food, and they were going home. And um, he had needed food. He, there, he and his wife both had full-time jobs that had been suspended. His salary obviously was cut. You know, this was a very common story. Um, so that was great. You know, a lot, of, a lot of stories went in there. Yay. We gave him food. We stabilized him. He, he got his job back. His wife got her job back. They were on their own again. Well, um, another common story from the pandemic is a lot of psychological distress <laughs> that people experienced. Yeah. And um, he, he had to walk with his wife through a severe episode of psychological distress. Um, and she couldn't go back to work. We'll kind of simplify it that way. She could not go back to work. And so he came to us that next week and we had, not we, the people who came to serve with us, the neighbors who came and built relationship with him during his moments of vulnerability, he came to us like a friend and said, and just cried with us, was candid with us, said, I, I don't know what to do, but I know you guys are going to help me. Um, and we did. We kept walking with him with rent assistance and utility assistance because his, his wife's income immediately went away. Um, but the most amazing part of that story is that, and we don't often get to hear this, but I do believe it happens a lot. He said, I had been hurt by the church. Um, and when I came to GraceWorks, I, I saw God differently. And so I started to go back to a church, which we encourage, please go worship with someone, go worship with uh, find your family. And he started to do that, and he, he committed his life to Christ, and he got baptized. And so when he faced this next trial, which was harder than the pandemic, okay, having a family member suffer um, psychologically is, is yeah. very difficult, he had hope. He had a, a foundation. It was a different lens. Um, and again, it's not, it's not just because we gave him food. It's not because we gave him rent and utility. It was because the posture of a place like GraceWorks allowed him that hope and that freedom. So he's, he's a story I think will stick with a long time. Um, and we're still walking with him and his, his whole family. But Thank you. And thank you for not only being here today, but who you are and the life you're building and your sweet family that we adore. Where they are. Well, you know, it's they're a bit, somewhere in the rafters. They're right there. Oh. They're, they're up on the second balcony. Oh. Hey. Yeah, yeah, and everything's good. She can see mommy. Yeah, there's the big baby. <clears throat> and she's going to be a great big sister. But um, before we go into our, um, let's see, we have a ministry moment. That, that'll be 
we are paying a small part of the salary for the young man who you're going to see in a little while while they work at Flint Global, that idea of helping people up uh, permanently, and, and so it's a sustainable thing. But while we're queuing that up and watching that, I just want to say, again, GraceWorks is worthy. Uh, they, you can donate to them directly through any link. If you choose to do so through us, um, we donate. Uh, we're, what we do is we don't park on the money. If, it, if it's sent to us and, and we've taken care of our online and, and ministry staff needs, then we, we push forward with that. And so you can do that or you can give directly or you can step up where you are in your neighborhood and do the mantra again, neighbor. Neighbor serving neighbor by the power of God's grace. All right, I, I'm sure that's trademarked or I'd put it on our business cards. But thank you so it's much. Not, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's in the word. Okay, and, and Robert read the word. He read the story of taking care of the neighbors and feeding. And we are also involved in prisons and such. And so it's just amazing. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you for thank being you for the opportunity that. to come. Okay. Let's go ahead and roll. Hi, I'm Christina, and I grew up in an orphanage in the Dominican Republic. Many of you have been part of my journey towards independent living, and now I'm working at Point Global as a project coordinator for the Thriving Skills Program. One year ago, Flint Global hosted a 24-hour relay fundraiser to help start the Thriving Skills Program. Because of your generosity, I was able to officially start work with Flint, and I'm so excited about what we have going on. At Thriving Skills, we equip children who are aging out of the protective system to land on their feet with life skills and opportunities to thrive. Many orphans in this situation really struggle to stay off the streets and quickly end up in ongoing abuse and trafficking situations. This past year, Flynn added three long-term partnerships with organizations in Guatemala and Colombia. And we want to add three more this year, including expanding into Honduras. The demand is huge for our program and we are seeing very positive results. Let me give you some examples. Maria del Carmen in Cali, Colombia says, I gained a lot of knowledge from this program that is necessary to be able to face life and be independent. Infinite thanks. I don't know how to thank you for this opportunity. Juan, a recent high school graduate and Thriving School student had this to say. The Thriving Schools program has been significant for my life because I have learned a lot about independent living how to save money, how to create a resume, how to prepare for an interview, knowing what kinds of job contracts benefit me, and the real cost of living. Individuals like you help us start this work with amazing people like Maria and Juan. This year, we're doing the 24-hour relay fundraiser again, and we have an even bigger goal. The average annual cost for us to help people like Maria and Juan safely transition into independence is $1,440. You can think of that as $120 a month over years time. Together, we aim to raise $60,000, which will impact the lives of 42 more orphans. Let us run together alongside this amazing transitioning orphans and help them have a chance not to only survive, but to thrive and break the cycle of abandonment. So please join us on March 26th and 27th by running, praying, and donating.
I'm going to switch this mic off. All right. And then our giving will be by Almay. By the way, if you want to just give and don't want to run, that's allowed. Good morning. If you'd like to give to our safe harbor, mail us a check to Spring Hill, use PayPal, our website, our app, or the Tithely app. As I thought about what to discuss today, I want to discuss what it means to be a liberal giver. But every time I did, I wound up going down a very legalistic wormhole. And I kept coming back to, can't we just get back to what giving to Jesus is really about? Like a little toddler who pulls up some clover or a dandelion and gives them to Mama and says, flowers! Can't we just give to Jesus because we love him? To spend some time with him? To see the twinkle of his eye? That little sly grin that starts on the left side of his face? To give him our dandelions and our clover and just celebrate living and being with Jesus. Let us pray. Father, help us love you. Help us celebrate living in you and with you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.